Hello, everybody. This is Shane Douglas Keene, and you are listening to Ink Heist. Uh, tonight, as usual, I'm joined by Laurel Hightower and Rich Duncan. Um, and uh, let's see, what do I know about Adam, Adam Cesar? I know he wrote Mercy House, which is my favorite of his. He wrote Video Night, which is excellent, and Tribesman, which is also Excellent. And beyond that, I know he's not hesitant to kill a motherfucker if it moves the story. Uh, welcome, Adam Cesar. It's Caesar, uh, but uh, oh, Caesar. Okay, sorry. I'm, I know. I'm, that. I'm, a, I'm a I'm a pain in the ass with that, but it's, uh, <laughs> I know because it looks so weird. But uh, Shane, thank you so much. And uh, you are the you are the only person in the world that. Uh, your favorite book of mine is, is Mercy House. So thank you. <laughs> I know that, and I don't understand it. Who doesn't it's, love it's a bizarre who doesn't love a senior citizen orgy, dude? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, every, it's so funny because I'll I'll talk to folks. I'll talk to folks that are like, I've read all your books, and I, you know, not I'm not I'm not saying like I'm not big time. I'm not saying there's many of them, but they're like, I've read all your books. I'm like, oh, did you like Mercy House? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> I think it's the one. It's it's so weird because Random House put it out, but they put it out only as an ebook. Yeah. So um, it's like the weird one that has a big publisher, but it's the one that. A lot of horror fans are collectors, and a lot of horror fans like physical yeah. products. So if it doesn't have a paperback, they're like, it's it, it can't it doesn't exist, which I understand. Um, yeah. But I wish I wish I could I wish I can get that out in paperback, and maybe maybe one of these days we will. But yeah, uh, I, I I like it. It's also it's funny because it's my longest book too. So it's like it is, it is, yeah. Like, a, this is such a pain that I really like like my my opus is the one that uh, it's no one reads. Uh, I know. Uh, like I say, I don't get that. Um, so everybody who's listening, unfuck that and read that book. It's one of his best books. Um, there's a reason why it's published by a big house. Um, so, uh, well, you've got something new that's not in the works, but actually has been in our hands for a while. Uh, Clown in the Cornfield. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, um We'll transition from um, elderly nursing home orgies to uh, I wrote a, a YA book for teens. Uh, yes, no elderly <laughs> nursing home orgies. Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna. I, I hope no one Harper hears this. Um, <laughs> uh, no, they love it. They know. Um, so this is a this is a, uh, a slasher, and uh, I. From as long as I've been a horror fan, my kind of genre of choice has been a slasher. And I've written uh, like probably 10-something books. I'm not sure. It gets weird with the novellas, but I've never technically written a slasher. I've written a, um, I've written a book that's kind of like a slasher. Um, it's, it's the con season. It has a slasher structure, but it's I call that a slasher in ellipses because it kind of takes out. This, the main slasher parts, um, but this is a this is a um, a traditional whodunit slasher uh, for teens. A like what if uh, what if Lois Lowry were writing for teens today had a terrible chip on her shoulder and um, actually hung out on the weekends with Edley. Uh, and that's the, <laughs> that's, that's this, um, that's this children's book. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's about, uh, I mean, you guys have read it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. Cool. Um, so it's about, a um, 
about a girl, uh, kind of city slicking girl moves with her. Uh, there's like a kind of a tragedy in her and her father's life. Um, her father's now a single parent. Uh, they move. He, she's kind of indulging her father. Uh, it's a very, it's a weird relationship because it's kind of one of those, like the kid is more emotionally mature than the father, uh, situations. And she's indulging her father and they're moving away from Philadelphia towards the middle of the country because kind of on a whim, because he got, uh, a notice saying that there was a job opening in the middle of the country. Um, and he wants to get out of the city. Um, and wants to flee kind of the violence of the city cause he's, uh, um, he's like kind of a first line emergency room doctor. Um, and they, they end up in this uh, small town in Missouri called Kettle Springs. And she's, she's a senior in high school. So she's, um, she's kind of at the end of her high school tenure and she's basically like, it's fine if I just kind of take a knee in the last year of high school and just finish it out here in the, in the middle of nowhere, I can kind of move back to the coast when I do college. Um, and as she, as she's kind of planned this out, um, and figured, you know, she'll just kind of have a, a, almost like a rest year in this small town in Missouri, um, a homicidal clown, um, who's kind of, we get the feeling is, is revenging some kind of past transgression, uh, from the teens of this town, like shows up and starts killing people. Uh, and that's the, that's kind of our, uh, story. Uh, cool. Um, it's, and it's, and it is cause Adam won't say it himself. It is a damn good story and it's also yeah. worthy of the big house that published it. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, oh, it's yeah. unusual. It's August 25th from Harper Teen. I forgot the, the plug part. Yeah, August oh, 25th yeah, yeah. from Harper Teen. But if you pre-order now, if you forget that you bought it two and a half months from now, you'll get a little present. In the mail. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Go, go snag that sucker. Um, so, it, you know, the first thing that I thought when I saw the announcement for Clown in a Cornfield is Adam Cesar wrote a YA book? What the <laughs> hell? Because <laughs> I couldn't imagine it, but um, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised because I don't like YA all that much, and I love this book. See, I, I I challenge you, Shane. I think I think you do like YA because I think it's I think I read a I read a lot of the genre leading up to this, and a lot of YA horror, and there is some some really great YA horror, um, and it's it's just not it's. It's funny because it's just I think we're, you know, the, the four of us are in our kind of indie horror, you know, some crossover with big house horror kind of like lit scene. And that's what we read. You know, we're, we're reading the the Laird Burns and the, the Stephen Graham Jones and the Amakatsu is in the, you know, and we, you know, it's, it's this stuff's just not marketed to us. And I think this I think, uh, you know, to our credit, we we we're, we wide we read widely, and yeah. um, I think a lot of these bigger houses, they just you know we're not we're not the target audience, so we're not kind of getting sent these books, we're not being shown these books. But I think there's um, the Merciless by Danielle Vega is like it's like uh, it's like the last Exorcism meets Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door. Um, the the asylum books by Madeline Rue are amazing. Like the, there are some like there's some awesome YA horror out there. Um, it's just it, it, like it just you know what I mean. Like it just doesn't like yeah. we don't. See it. It's like it's not the thing we we get we get marketed. Um, 
and, and it's just like this is really this whole kind of experience has opened my eyes. Um, and I feel like when I was told kind of, well, this is what a, I, I, I did some research before I started writing this. I'm like, I want to, you know, do why I write. And I, and I not only read those, you know, a lot of the bigger YA horror books, but I, I talked to, I talked to, my, uh, um, uh, my, my buddy, Pat Lacey, his, his wife, Emily is, um, has like a, has a master's in YA horror fiction or not horror fiction, but YA fiction. And I kind of basically was like, well, what is, what makes YA YA? And she's like, right. well, now it just means that it just means the protagonists are teenagers and anything else is, is kind of up for grabs. And I was like, well, I've written books with teenagers, so I've technically written YA. So this shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that much of a stretch. Um, that, I loved it. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, don't want to look back. I kind of want to keep going in this direction because i'm very proud of the book i I am surprised to hear myself say that i hope you do too (laughs) yeah thank you yeah Uh i I thought that was uh interesting like you said when you said you were talking to her and she said you know now it pretty much just means that there's teenagers in it because i think my like reluctance um like i was aware of some of these ya horror books but i think some of my reluctance was just like ignorance i guess like i get it kind of confused with like more middle grade or i did at first yeah so i'm like why read this because i think i like it's probably you know geared toward kids or you know it's not really as serious yours is kind of the first one of these modern ya's that i've read and uh yeah, like if if you didn't say that this was a YA book, like I would have had no idea because, you know, it's just as crazy as anything else you would read. And, uh, you know, it has some pretty, pretty heavy stuff in it. Yeah. And I think I think it's it's just generally a society like we like, uh, you know, we, we sometimes discount kids and talk down to kids and like, you know, I mean, kids mm-hmm. in a sense of like, you know, you're you're 14, 15, 16 year old. Like, I think. I don't know. I, I taught for four or five years. I was a AP English teacher in high school. And like I, my kids were a little older, you know, they were like 16, 17, but they're, they're at that point. They're like, they're smart human beings. They're, you know, smarter than your average person you meet on Twitter, like who's, you know, in their thirties or forties. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I think there's, I think I, I just tried to approach it with, themes and uh, motifs and 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 subject matter that would appeal to younger people than me because i'm in my early 30s like so i'm not a teenager but I, I think the the as far as like you said like as far as content and as far as um like things that happen in the book i'm not going to ca- talk down to uh, uh, a kid because i mm-hmm. they don't they're they're you know they're smart enough not to be talked down to and i feel like they'll they'll recoil from being talked down to. They'll be like, this is bullshit. I don't want to, you know, that's they'll, that's the, you don't want them thinking like, Oh, this is a baby book. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and that has the, that has the side benefit of hopefully adults can enjoy it. I've, I've talked to more with the, the way that, you know, reviewing and arcs and, 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 and publishing works. Like they've mainly sent this out to adults um harper's mainly sent this out to adults so i've only really heard from adults and they seem to like it and i'm kind of every once in a while i'll like i'll get someone who's like i'll pass this along to my kid and they loved it and that's better that's a better review to me because yeah (laughs) it's great if adults like it but it's that the intent is i I want teenagers to enjoy this 
I want this to be like, a, uh, I know what you did last summer or scream or, you know, one of those kind of great modern slashers. Um, yeah. Good summer blockbuster. Exactly. Yeah. I think about the, what you said about not talking down to them too is key because it is regardless of what they read, but you know, when you talk to most horror fans and horror writers, we all started reading that stuff really early. Oh, yeah. So if you if you write a you know a, a YA novel for a kid who took a copy of Salem's Lot, you know, and read it at the age of ten, they're going to be just totally bored by something that's intentionally aimed by and you know a well-meaning adult for something that is you know supposed to be more calm than that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think this was just I. I I didn't know that that was like the, you know, the specification that YA was just that it had teenage characters, but I think that's perfect. I I cannot agree with you more. And I think what you just said is, is it's, it's a great, like, it's a great idea. Cause I, I was that, I was that kid. I was that kind of King obsessed Richard Matheson, Clyde Barker obsessed kid that it's like, why would I, why would I read backwards? If I'm reading the books of blood at 15, why would I? Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. um, so, and I think there's, there's really something to that. And, um, it's, uh, I, I think it was, uh, it was just like two days ago. I think it was Jeremy Robert Johnson said something about this on, on Twitter just a couple days ago. The idea of like, he considers his new book, a YA book since, since he was, you know, at his age, he was reading at that age, he was reading all these other, you know, quote unquote adult books. But I think there really is something to that. I think you put that beautifully, Lauren. I, yeah, I do too. Thank you. Well, it's it's I I've been really excited by it. It, it was actually just a little kind of three right in a row here. Um, I never really thought of reading YA because I, and I think we may have discussed this before on the show. I don't recall there being much in the way of YA that was available to me that had this sort of subject matter. It it all seemed very um, it just all seemed very juvenile. Um, and so the stuff that I've read, uh, the last little bit, I read Clown in a Cornfield, which I loved. Um, Thank you. and I read, uh, I just finished, uh, Cena Paleo's, um, Santa Muerte, which was also YA. And I also read a fantasy, uh, YA that was written by, um, S.H. Cooper that, and all three of them, it was the same sort of thing. It was written, I guess maybe almost more by like writers who remember being and respect <laughs> teenagers, you know, like just don't, don't expect them to be dealing with these. I mean, cause kids actually, they're, they have to deal with a lot of really adult themes too. I, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this a lot lately where it's like, not to, and not to like, you know, um, lots of fun, exciting stuff happens in your, in your adult life. Like I just got married like a year ago. Like it's like, it's like, the, it, but still like, not even to say like life was good as a teen, but it was life was never as exciting or as like kinetic as when you were like, you know, in high school dealing with all this bullshit. Like it, it really never like, you know, workplace drama is one thing, but like nothing really ever beats like, like, no, yeah, that was terrible. And they're like, what a weird institution and what a weird time in your life. Cause you're, full of hormones and you're not feeling like yourself and like it's just it's 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 a rich kind of period of life for people that tell stories about because it's kind of the most kinetic interesting part of life <laughs> like um i don't know yeah. maybe i'm speaking from my own high school experience here but it's like the good and the bad nothing was ever as exciting as being in high school i feel like 
I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. I I didn't love high school. But. Oh, I, I I hated high school, but I I will say like now looking back on it, like the you know the highs were higher and the lows were certainly lower. Like, yeah, they, yeah. You're, I think you're right. I think that's a good way to put it kinetically that that's how it is because it's yeah. I mean like those like when you have those just intense crushes or those you know those just god awful breakups for that that whole two month long relationship. Exactly. You know, it just yeah. breaks like, your heart. Yeah, yeah, and you're never gonna like, like what adult is gonna? I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd here, but what adult is gonna get in a fist fight? Like, at you know, <laughs> in an adult yeah. age, like, like that's a very real possibility in high school. Like, it's gonna happen. Right. Like, um, yeah. yeah, or fall in love and get love sick. You know, exactly. literally, literally sick. sick. Yeah, like Laurel said, like like all over the span of a month. You know. Um, yeah. Because because time moves slower than time moves different. Um, yeah, no, I I just think it's a fertile ground to tell stories, especially horror stories, which are already stories of heightened emotion to begin with. That's a good observation. I think that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I think it's part of the part of the horror two aspect that's so interesting about that is, and maybe this again, this is me speaking from my own experience, but like a big part of what was really frustrating about being that age was the lack of control. Um, the number of, you know, that you're expected past a certain age. I mean, at my school, you couldn't even go to the bathroom if you weren't given permission. And, and that's high school. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get yeah. a pass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's a joke. You know, that's, that's kind of like, if you think about it, it's a little bit horrifying that you're kept under that much control. And then, you know, as we see, um, I'm not, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but it's there, you can't, you know, you can't always trust that the people who are in control of, when you can even go to the restroom, you know, have your have your best interests at heart. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a thing where kids are, and this is a, you know a major theme and a major thing that happens in the book is just like the idea that the adults don't always know what's right, and the kids don't always um, when the kids are kind of bucking against tradition and bucking against structure, like you said. Um, they're not wrong and they're not, you know, they're not, um, if they are presenting things, if they are looking forward, if they are, um, looking to leave whatever system they're in or looking to change whatever system they're in and, um, half the time, more than half the time, they're right. You know, like, it, you know, something's broken and something's wrong and with the system. Um, no, what was that? My bad. Um, I was just going to say, and uh, it's it's kind of their right, because the world they're trying to change is coming to them. Exactly. You know? So, yeah. you know, they want it to be the best it can possibly be. And they might not always be right, but it is their right to try. Yeah, and I wanted to show in the book, and not to get too high-handed about it, I don't want to talk about this book like it's a, like it's some kind of, um, you know, philosophical treatise, because it's not, like it's not, it is a, it is commercial fiction that is meant to entertain but it's the idea that you're like there is a there is a a push and pull there like there is the idea of like i am the future as a kid yes you are the future but that doesn't mean that you're always right 100 percent of the time it doesn't mean that you can't fuck up that doesn't mean you don't fuck up like um and i i wanted to i like i thought the idea of writing a book that way where especially because it is a mystery, because it is a whodunit, you know, slasher, we're unsure who the killer is, and we're unsure what 100% their motives is, 
and their motive may be halfway right, and their motive may be all the way wrong. But the the teenage characters, who are the characters we stay with for most of the book, are the ones that are that are exploring these ideas, and some of them are representing um, rebellion in a almost, I guess, um, constructive way, and some of them are, you know, representing rebellion in a in a in a way that's maybe antithetical to their own interests. Um, but again, like I said, not is not supposed to be not fun. It's a it's a slasher. <laughs> it's it's called clown in a cornfield. I've never I've never written a book that doesn't do what it says on the tin more than this one. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say you get a cornfield and you get them quick. Um, yes. that, is, that is the that is the the the, the book the credo the credo the book lives by. Um, so, uh, Adam, Frendo the Clown, I was just kind of curious, you know, what kind of inspired you? What was like the genesis for Clown in a Cornfield and kind of taking, you know, the whole, you know, sort of scary clown? I guess it's more of like what represents the town, but, you know, clowns, you know, a lot of people are kind of freaked out by them. And I was just curious, you know, what inspired you to kind of make Frendo the Clown and like, you know, the whole clown element, a central part of this story. I, I love that question. Um, there is so much clown stuff in, in, in not only pop cultures, but horror more specifically, like, especially over the last few years, you look at um, the new adaptation of it, you look at that version of Pennywise and how kind of ubiquitous he's become. Like I see him on like street clothing all the time. It's like, I was just literally just two days ago, I was wearing my mask and walking with my wife and we were walking our dog. And I, I saw a guy in like a, a kind of like brimmed hat that had Pennywise on it. And like, you kind of can't escape that. And I think the Harper marketing department to a certain extent, like plays into that with the kind of the faux Stephen King font on the, on the cover, which is a beautiful cover. Um, that Ryan Tobin did an incredible job on the cover. Um, but I also looked at that and said, this is like, I looked at the idea that people are going to be brought to the book. Um, teens are going to be brought to the book by the cover, by the idea of the title. And I do not want to e- immediately give them what they think they're going to get. Um, so I just looked at, I looked at kind of the history of clowns and I, I, I like read this is the the research part of a novel that is probably a little bit like the writer's enemy because you shouldn't get too deep in the weeds on research ever. Um, but I looked at a lot of turn of the century clowns, depression era clowns. Like I, I like kind of watched how there are like there are clown styles in the in like the you know twentieth century Americana. And then there are kind of clown celebrities, like there's Bozo and all these different, you know, the, the tramp yeah. clowns. And like, it, like I, I looked at that iconography and I basically, it's a, it's a book, so it's not a, it's not a visual medium, but I, I needed a um, kind of um, North Star for myself. So I drew out, I was like, well, this is what Frendo is. Like, this is what this clown is. He is, a, you know, a depression era uh, performer. He is a pre- depression era clown. And his signature is this pork pie hat. And I like kind of drew out. I was like, well, what is if this guy were a real guy, what would his trademark be? Because every clown has to have a gimmick. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so he like I, 
he is this performer, but he becomes the, the town of Kettle Springs adopts him as a kind of mascot. So I looked at all kinds of Americana. I love, I love Jaws. I love Amity, Amity Island. I, I thought the idea that like, wouldn't it be interesting if this, if this town in the middle of nowhere had kind of adopted this, this depression era myth for themselves. Um, and then they took the, the town's founders kind of took this, this real guy, Frendo, the clown and mythologized him and made him kind of the, the mascot of the town and the mascot of this, this main business in the town. Um, and it, 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 I just basically, to answer your question in short, I took the, the idea that what if this guy were a real guy and what if this were a real clown, how would this town build a mythology around him and how would they kind of, you know, to this day, they have a, a founder's day parade where everyone dresses up like Frendo. And that's the, that's kind of the gimmick. Like if a town really had a gimmick, if a chamber, if, if the kettle springs were real and if kettle springs really had a chamber of commerce, how would they approach, approach like promoting this clown mascot they have? And that was the, the just the general like Frendo lore kind of, I built out from there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you don't like I think it's cool to kind of uh, like how you said he's kind of based on like the depression era clown because you don't really like see those too much. Like you said, even like in horror, like they're kind of more geared towards like, you know, almost like a scary version of like, you know, a kid's birthday clown or something exactly. like that. <laughs> and I, I absolutely love the thing is, I looked at the I looked at the clown based horror that I loved. I looked at it, and then I looked at, especially I looked at um, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space by the Kyoto Brothers. I looked at that, like those designs, and I was like, well, what's the, what are the things that these clowns actually don't have? They don't have hats. So I was like, let me give them a hat. Let me, let me, let me D. Um, and then I looked at, on the opposite end of things, I, I, I kind of figured out like the clown through line the clown idea of the clown's backstory and i was like well this is a slasher and it's a whodunit slasher so it's not really friendo doing it it's someone in friendo mask and i was like well how do you take what are the what are the the masked slashers you know it takes three movies for jason and friday the 13th to look like jason um you know michael myers is michael myers right out of the gate what are the what are the the kind of iconic slasher masks um and how can I back convert that to be a clown mask, like this kind of pressed vinyl or pressed um, plastic mask? Like, how do you reduce the features and be like, OK, it's a clown and it's a clown that everyone in this town knows. That was kind of the like it's just I always didn't want it to be like he's like I didn't want him to be like stepping out of a very small car or like <laughs> yeah. uh, or like, you know, like, you know, honk honk, like doing like the squirt flower and stuff like that. Like he's not a. This is not a clown in character. In character as a clown, this is someone wearing a clown mask who is a murderer. Um, mm-hmm. so th- not clowning the, around. The clown bit, you know, with the with the kills and stuff like that. It's interesting too. You said, um, just like you said, when you were getting the visuals on them. I do that with people I write, just about any of them, um, any character. But what was interesting is. Um, you said it's not like a, a visual medium, and yet you've always been really good at this with everything I've read by you. And that is like, take a, a simple scene that won't really blow anything where you describe a door, a barn door opening and a clown peeking his head out. 
you know, or it's like that's just a simple thing, but it's stuck in my head, you know, really well, because you can see it. Yeah, no, I I think in set pieces and I think that's um, I'm a movie guy and I love books and and I try to every time I sit down to write, I try to understand that books are books books aren't movies um and i think the idea of cinematic writing is is easier said than done um but i do think in set pieces because i think movies are kind of built in set pieces and that's how i i try to approach a a lot of my writing um yeah a lot of like physical blocking and geography um like you like you're kind of hinted at there um um, you know, and that's the thing. Another thing you do, um, apropos of nothing but interest, is uh, I some of the best horror movies I've ever watched were because yeah. I was watching your YouTube channel. YouTube <laughs> channel, and yeah. you said at the end, like I watched one night, I sat there and watched four werewolf films in a row because you had recommended them, and <laughs> the first one was so good, I just kept going. <laughs> oh man, it's so nice. It's so nice. I'm like, yeah, I. I I just like talking movies, so I, I do a I do a uh, I say weekly, but it's not I mean it's not really weekly because I don't really do it every week, but generally weekly um, YouTube show where I usually talk about a, a book um, and I pair it with a movie just because I'm a movie guy, but I also like kind of getting the word out about um, like you guys do. Um, we're part of this horror community, and I, I want people to read more and i want people to enjoy the things i enjoy so i like talking about books and um and i feel like movies are kind of the way to do that because everyone likes movies everyone likes horror movies and the people that don't that say they are that that, that say they don't i don't trust them at all um but (laughs) less people less people are hard readers and i I like like he doesn't (laughs) trust your husband laurel just I always I always like that about uh, your YouTube channel, kind of how you sometimes you even do it in reverse, whether you talk about like a movie and then a book or a book and then a movie, Um, because like there's a lot of times where like I'll watch, you know, one of your videos about like a movie and I've seen it and I really enjoyed it. And I never probably would have made that connection to like the book that you recommend. So I always thought that was a pretty cool and interesting approach kind of to doing the whole recommendations. I really appreciate that, Rich. And I, 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 it's, there is sometimes, and I, I think I sometimes freely admit this in the videos that there's sometimes no rhyme or reason. I'm just like, this kind of made me think of this, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll connect it. Or it'll be something I read recently, and I'll be like, oh, you should check out uh, Andy Davison's new book. You know, like uh, it, it, Sometimes I'm very indelicate in how I connect them, but sometimes it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and then sometimes you're very, very direct with the movies and the books. Like that one, I think it was Mongrels you were talking about with the werewolf one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that. I've talked about that book multiple times. I just, I, I don't know. I love him. I think he's the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, you. He gets sick of me saying this by now. I'm sure because I've said it tens of thousands of times. But I think it's the best werewolf novel that's ever been written. I would agree with you. Yeah. Well, while we're talking film too, um, what can you tell us about the Temple House production? Um, yeah. So, so this is gonna. Well, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I never. I don't trust anything. I maybe maybe I'm too, <laughs> but um, 
this is a this has been optioned for film by Temple Hill Productions. Um, they did they did a ton of stuff. They they co-produced the the new Stephen King, The Outsider. Uh, they co they did uh, they did the Twilight movies. They did Maze Runner. They did the Hate the Hate You Give. They've done like a ton of great YA adaptations. Um, and they're attached to um, make a movie at a this book and I, and I and I I hate I hate to say I can't tell you much because I don't really know all that much I know I know the name of the screenwriter and I've talked with the screenwriter um, and he seems like a hell of a professional a hell of a good guy um, but I can't say who it is um, and I can't say you know I look at the state of things who knows um, but I hope I I hope to hell they make a movie um, if anything just to have people check out the book but um yeah it's it's so it's so odd to me to write a book that is the slasher is endemically a a cinematic genre do you know what i mean like it's not a it's not a literary genre so to write a slasher book and to try your best to make it as literary and as kind of thematically dense as possible and then to immediately be like well we're gonna make a movie of this it's like that's weird it's like a xerox of a xerox (laughs) But I, I, I think that they are like their track record for making movies is 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 excellent. Um, and I've ta- I've had extensive discussions with them, and uh, I, I don't know. I think they I think they're gonna make a hell of a good um, uh, slasher movie. And the 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 movie that keeps coming up in conversations with uh, one of the guys over there is um, the All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, and I and that kind of immediately made me think. Oh, these guys are serious. Like they're gonna make a legit uh, movie out of this because, like, that's a that's a great. I, I don't know if you guys have seen All the Boys Love Mandy Lane, but that is a it stars Amber Heard. It's a great modern slasher. It's like two thousand something, two thousand nine maybe, um, but yeah. didn't get all the love it should have gotten. But it's a great movie. Um, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. I, I can't remember if I've seen it or not because I, I watch, like, a disgusting amount of movies. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think pretty much all of us do for the most part. But kind of going off Laurel's thing because, you know, I know how, you know, adaptations are and, like, you can't really – give too much i thought it was kind of cool that you know it was optioned you know so early on i can't remember but i remember when you announced like uh the announcement of clown in the cornfield i can't remember if it kind of was at the same time it's pretty not, close but... i mean it's pretty close i think when i started talking about uh, their involvement yeah i think it's it's weird because I, I i know i have i have limited uh hollywood experience but it seems like happening more and more seems like kind of just I think there's just so much there's so many platforms and so much like demand for content, like um, especially in like in the age of streaming it just seems to I see those announcements all the time. Um, it's weird because I, I think like maybe I'm maybe I'm getting my history completely wrong, but I think um, Jaws was like optioned while it was still in galleys. Um, so it's like it's not like, you know, it's not it's not something new, but it is. Yeah, it's odd to me that it's like, well. So you want to see how the book does, but hey, hell, hell. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Oh uh, yeah, it's... who can who can complain about that? <laughs> um, I was curious if you had considered at all 
and of course, I don't know how that works either, you know, when they're talking to you about that, but is screenwriting, have you ever considered doing an adaptation of your own work on it? It's not, I mean, definitely not for this one, but I, it's, it's so funny you ask Laurel. I, I, I like the only training I have in writing is screenwriting. Like I, I was a film major in school and I was, a, I was a film major who, um, you know, d- uh, doubled up in an English major, but it's like, so I can go teach um after school but it's like i so i like have the only writing training i have is in screenwriting and i've kind of over the last couple of years i've circled back around to um coming back to writing scripts and it's so fun it's funny how um in some ways easier in some ways harder it is because it's a completely different format um it's a completely different beast yeah I can I can see how that would be, but yeah, I mean, if you've got the training for it, um, I, I mean, not like I, I had a I had I had wonderful teachers and great education. Now that I'm like some kind of like now that like I know what I'm doing, I'm just. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's not, to, it's not trying, totally I'm boring, trying, right? <laughs> you know, no, I mean, it's. I didn't you want know, to sound like an asshole. Head. I didn't want to sound like I'm like yeah. I didn't want to put on a voice and be like uh, you know. Well, what, it's what Truffaut said, and I, you know, like I, 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 I understand the basics of screenwriting, um, and I'm trying again. <laughs> Writers are a funny breed. It's like, um, you know, I, I studied in the school, and, and I, I have like more than ten novels in per. But it's not. It doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. I'm not trying to yeah. say I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, but I think that's true. But I think that's. I think that. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that uh, the, the, putting that asterisk next to things is warranted because I know plenty of people have written 20 novels and like, you know, you talk to them and they're like, oh, I keep leaving my Dunkin' Donuts on the hood of my car when I drive In no way, shape or form does any, does any kind of productivity belie competence <laughs> in anything. Not a chance. <laughs> I think there are I think there are dopey people know everywhere in all levels of proficiency at things. <laughs> yeah. I know I I'm, I, one- uh, I'm like the poster ch- poster child for uh, lack of confidence. Well you should have confidence, you should yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's it's a it's a delicate walk. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't have much confidence, but I have a lot of courage. <laughs> oh well, that's well, that's the way to. Yeah. So, um, it's funny to me. Rarely do I talk to someone on here and think this is exactly what I pictured this guy would be like, what he'd sound like, uh, how he'd be personality-wise, and like you may may be the very first person who fits it almost to a T. <laughs> you know, your voice. <laughs> condemnation or a <laughs> um yeah it's a compliment <laughs> it's you. a compliment uh your voice uh the extreme kindness that's obvious just from talking to you as long as we have um and the intelligence that i always knew was there um is there in spades when we're actually talking to you Thank so you. yep that's all just a compliment. Nothing. Oh, no point. <laughs> this is the sweetest man in heart. <laughs> uh, so kind of kind of going on your, you know, your first foray into YA. Um, you know, I think it's kind of cool that you connected with uh, Harper Teen. And I was just kind of curious, you know, how how was that process for you? Like, 
you know, books are books, but at the end of the day, like, was there any like differences? Like, did you like, is there a difference in like how you approach, you know, trying to sell a YA book as opposed to the stuff you've done in the past? I think the main, I think the main difference is the kind of post-production aspect, if that makes sense. Cause I've, uh, you know, I, I started, I started my career. Um, my first book was, uh, was John Skip, you know, splatterpunk legend, John Skip was the, was the editor of my first book. Um, that was the a novella that was tribesman. And then I had sold, um, I had sold a, book to Sam Hain, um, which I guess is now um, Flame Tree Press because it's Don Dioria. Um, I'd sold the book to that editor, and uh, Don, I had, uh, I had 100% kind of intended my first novel, uh, Video Night, to be a book he put out, and that was back when he was with Leisure. So I was writing Video Night kind of during the kind of the, the fall of leisure paperback. And I don't know how much you guys or your listeners kind of know or care about kind of this publishing inside baseball stuff. Um, but, um, the leisure had done, you know, they were like kind of the king of paperback originals. They'd put out Richard Lehman and Edward Lee and Jack Ketchum and Mary San Giovanni and Brian Keene. Um, so they were like, they put out all these kind of great writers that, you know, uh, a decade removed, we all kind of, revere those books um but they the mass market paperback paperback business kind of collapsed and they collapsed and then sam hayne that was a romance publisher brought in don dioria to to kind of build a hard line for them and i had sold my first three books were through them um and don is a, a great guy and a great editor but it's it's on so much of a faster schedule because they're releasing two bucks a month um, that like, I think the idea of like, wow, I look back on like the last two and a half years of my life and it was all, it's all been clown and it's been talking to my editor at Harper about clown and, and trash of clown and changing clown. And it's like, wow, this is like, this is way more intense. <laughs> like well, this book is way more under the microscope than any of my other books. Um, even with, and we had started this conversation talking about Mercy House, which was, um, which was a random house thing. And, and their, you know, their edits process, like their, you know, quote unquote, like, you know, the copy edit was like much more intense and much more close and, and many more rounds, but comparatively like just this, just the idea that this is like, like, okay, we're going to put this out in hardcover. This is going to be like as, as like serious and legit as anything you've done. Like, like, like it, it was very much like a boot camp for me. Um, and very much like uh, resulted in a book that I feel like feels very different than my other books. Um, not just because it's YA, but because it has, it is that kind of fine grain book. Like it has gone through the, the refining machine time and time and time again. Um, but I, I think it's a better book for it. I think they're right. Uh, I think that's kind of the way to do it, but it's, um, it's just a process I wasn't comfortable with or not, not comfortable with, but wasn't familiar with like before doing yeah. it. I was like, wow, we really like, we're going, you know, stem the stir and we're going to, you know, break this thing out. And, and we did, um, which I really enjoy at the end of the day. Like, I love the idea that it's like, well, this is, it's, I mean, in August, it's going to be a real bummer when it doesn't sell one copy, but like, <laughs> like, uh, you know what I mean? Like it's the idea that like, 
like, well, this is three years of work. Like, this is good goddamn book. Like, <laughs> um, like I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I yeah. recoil. I, like, my, my knee-jerk reaction is like, I think it's good. Like, at, at this point, I think it's good. Like, um, but who knows? Maybe it's not. <laughs> Maybe I've just been staring at too long. Uh, no independent opinion. It's it's fantastic. Thank yes, you. yes. Oh, there yeah. are three of those here. Thank you. I was digging for digging for. Uh, <laughs> uh, you should, man. But you don't have to dig far because it's much Sifting. I was sifting for compliments. Um, but, uh, no, thank you. Uh, but it, you, know, you. Does that make? Does that a good answer to your question? Like, like I like I said, yeah. the post production process was like so much more rigorous and so much more, frankly, like enjoyable because. It was like, no, it's like, this isn't as good as it could be. Let's make it as good as this thing humanly could be. This book is called Clown in the Cornfield. It has got cl- a clown in a cornfield. And it is going to be the, the the platonic ideal of what a book called that can be. And that, I, I, I like, and I, 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 I am putting a lot on the, you know, I'm putting, I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is at a certain extent. Like, I think this is, a, I think this is my best book. And I think this is, a good book like <laughs> you know yeah it oh sorry go ahead rich no i was just gonna say i agree with him <laughs> thank you thank you um well because there's there's a level of confidence that comes out of like you know just having been through that process and realizing the changes that you you know that you made and and realizing how much you know how much it improved a product like that so just i i think it's uh, yeah i mean i that's well, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna trail off there, but I'll pick up that trail because it's not to say that it. Um, it's not to say that it's the only way, and it's not to say that it's like the. I think some of the some of the books that I'm proudest of kind of had the softest editorial touch, if that makes sense. I wrote a book called uh, I wrote a book called The First One You Expect. Um, that's that was put out by Broken River Books. So J. David Osborne. Um, He's mainly a crime editor and a crime writer, but he had kind of had he had and still has this stable of books. Um, and he he very much took a soft touch with that book, but he kind of egged me on to write it. And I feel like they're very different. If you if you stack that uh, that up to um, Clown of the Cornfield, they're my two most different books, but they're the two books I'm proudest of because I think one is the most kind of purest distillation of i call that book i call that book like a, a thirty thousand word subtweet because it's 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 a lot of what i think about horror fandom and and the and the and the and my love-hate relationship with, with horror itself um and it's you know like i said it's a 30 it's a thirty thousand word quick little novella and i and i got very little I didn't get it like, oh, you. Know, what do you think about this character? Should maybe be more like this. Like, I didn't get any kind of editorial pushback like that. And it, in some ways, it's it's my purest book, and it's one of the books I'm proudest of. Um, but it's so different than something that is meant to be. Um, I want every 16 year old in America to be able to pick up Clown on the Cornfield and have a great goddamn time. Like. First one you expect is not like that. I want people like me to be able to pick this book up and be like, oh, this guy's this guy knows what he's talking about. This is like me uh, or this is like my friend. And I, you know, I recognize parts of myself in this book and it makes me uncomfortable. That's not. Holy commercial fiction, that's not uh, fiction that is written to um, be enjoyed by everyone in every 
in every possible facet. Um, and I think there's value in both. Um, yeah, I do too. Um, and, uh, uh, damn it. I lost my thoughts. Sorry. Okay. I, I'm, my I'm bad. Patty Kathy. Tonight, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I do it all the time, man. It's, it's a, it's a insanity thing. Good. Well, I, that's definitely what I get. So. <laughs> well, it's and Shane, I'll, I'll just hold your place here until you, because I know you remember in like two seconds. But, Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I think that I think that's actually a really excellent point to make, though, about just the differences in that that there doesn't always have to be that that heavy editorial aspect to it. That and also that you know that you don't have to write every book to appeal to every person. Um, I think there's a lot of merit in, you know, in mentioning that and, and making sure that authors know that, because I think especially first time authors get very hung up and nervous about the fact of, you know, or the idea of making their work universally appealing. Um, yes. yeah. and it's, it, you know, it's, it's a pretty, it's, you, it can be a hard road to hoe, you know, when you start reading reviews and, and this person didn't like that and this person didn't like that. And if you can just write things and, and just say, okay, but you know, and that's fine. I'm not telling you not to read it, but this, you weren't the target audience for this, you know, and I, I just, way to put it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of merit to that. So there's, I like, I like hearing that. There's intent. I think there's intentionality and i think there's the idea of like uh, what is this book supposed to do and like does it accomplish the goals that it seems to set for itself um which is not you know it's not the same as like judging books on its own merit but it's the idea of like like you just said like the idea like i can read a bad review um there's some bad reviews that i'm complete out of my mind narcissist in that I will read some bad reviews and like take them to the grave. Um, but like, and I, and I, and I imagine that a lot of authors are the same way. Um, but there's some bad reviews where I will be like, Hey, tie goes to the runner, you know, more power to you. I completely agree with you. Uh, that is your opinion. And that is who you are uh, interfacing with this book. And I, in no way, shape, or form meant to please you as a reader. So I'm cool with it. Like, uh, um, which makes this, which probably makes this book doubly hard because it's like, well, this book, the intentionality is to be, again, there are, <laughs> you guys read it. Um, there are horrible things that happen in this book to some of these kids. Um, and there's horrible things that happen to some of the adults. Like, it's, it's clearly not a, um, G-rated, you know, uh, please everyone in the sense of like, you know, this is a Toy Story and everyone should walk out of the theater enjoying and with a tear in their eye and loving it. Um, this is this is Halloween. And I'm sure in 77 there were people who were abjectly against what they just saw on the theater. Um, and I'm fine with that because that's it's not for you. Um, but everyone else it's for. <laughs> Everyone else looking to enjoy a, a, a horror story it's for. And that, that reminds me now of what I was going to say. Um, next time I – and it's just a smart-ass comment. Next time I <laughs> – <laughs> Love it. Next time I hear some, some kid's mother say, no, you're not reading that filthy trash when they're talking about King, I'll say, there's this excellent YA author I know. <laughs> Please do. It's I a clown. It's will. about a clown. It's totally. Exactly. Less, 
less orgies than it has, but still somehow <laughs> somehow not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed there are no senior citizens doing weird things in this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's well, that's the thing. Like, I I just kind of I feel like and maybe it's just I mean, maybe I'm in a bubble, but I really do feel like we've kind of moved like I, I would hope not only like not only permissive, but I hope we kind of move past that, like that idea of like people viewing media as like somehow harmful or somehow like, oh, this trash. Like, I, I think as it's funny because I think I think streaming and I think um I think in a lot of ways, like the kind of breaking down of these like network TV barriers is like, it's not, it's not an entirely a good thing, but it's like a lot of people watch a lot of stuff and enjoy a lot of stuff that is like more adult in tone and more um, content wise might carry a content advisory. And I think the idea that um, pe- people are less and less, there's, there's less pearl clutching when it comes to horror. Like it's, in the 80s, we had, and you can, I, it's one of my favorite comfort things to watch is to watch um, Clive Barker and uh, the rest of the Splatterpunks on like daytime television kind of defending, um, you know, violent movies or gory movies. Um, and it's just so funny, like the amount of hand wringing and, and pearl clutching. Um, yeah, I, I love that phrase. Do we see that anymore? <laughs> like no one really does that. Like who, who cares? Like is, you know, I'm sure there's someone with on a Facebook group somewhere with a dumb haircut who's like <laughs> about like we got to get rid of these like uh you know these movies like i i'm sure there is but i kind of like i just don't see them like maybe it's maybe it's because uh maybe it's because social media is 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 an echo chamber and i'm like you know but i don't think there's no there's no parents outrage groups there's none of this like no one's gonna burn this book like i don't know i i hope well i the, the i it would be it would give me no end of joy if <laughs> If, if if someone if someone somewhere was like this is filth I'm gonna burn yeah. it in front of my kid like I would share that like if you see me sharing a video like that it's staged I paid an actor to burn a book no way. No oh way. yeah you know what that would do to sales man some rando does that <laughs> hey man yeah because <laughs> I guy, paid him on guy's... fire yeah yeah <laughs> this guy's trash so I lit his book on fire I wish it was him <laughs> I would, uh, oh my god. I would share that. I'd be the first person to share that. I'd be like, look at this jabroni. <laughs> I'd, I'd be right behind you. <laughs> just to say, I just think we're in a more tolerant, enlightened time. Is the, in, in, in more ways than one. In more ways than like the silly ways of like, does am I okay with my kid watching Hellraiser? Like in more ways than that. Like I think we're, I think we're, you know, some, you know, there's some indications that it's not true and, and the world's kind of going to hell in certain, in certain ways. But I think, the, I think the youth are all right. I think the kids are all right. And I think we're generally bending towards a better world, I hope. Um, and I think that's as, 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 as silly and saccharine as that sounds, that's part of what the book's about. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I like that. I like that um, aspect of it very much Um, because, you know, I do think like kind of circling around a little bit back to, you know, the idea of like being in control of adults who maybe don't exactly know what they're doing or don't have kids best interests at heart. Like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of situations of, of adults who will 
you know, shoot down an idea simply becomes because it comes out of a kid's mouth. Um, yeah. And there's just a, a lack of a back and forth or, you know, a lack of, of any belief that someone below a certain age can have anything worthwhile to say. Um, you know, and I, I think the more that that we're able to listen to people, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to give them control. I've raised a teenager. It's it's probably not the smartest move to let them be in control of everything. But, oh, no, uh, no, you know, to, to listen, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, but but just to listen to what they have to say and have a more open, um, you know, because you you learn a lot from people who are younger than you. you. I mean, you certainly can. You can learn a lot about how they view the world. So in yeah. some ways, you know. Dad? He has no idea how to use an iPhone. He has <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, it's like, it's the idea that he's like, I bet he's in some ways, he's a lot, hell of a lot smarter than me. But in other ways, it's like, well, if you want to send that link, I can tell you how to copy paste. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, and I, I think you really hit on something there and kind of reminded me something about the book. The, like the idea that like the, the divide now isn't like it's not the satanic panic. We're not in the 80s. And that's that's a big part of the book. Like the slasher is something that was born in the 70s and formalized in the 80s. But we're not in that time period now. Um, the, 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 the thing in the 80s and, the, and like and like the idea of, um, you know, uh, burning NWA records and, and getting rid of violent media and all this stuff like that. We don't really have that anymore, but we do have this. We do have this this generational divide that's very clear. That's like the OK Boomer, Boomer versus Millennial, Boomer versus Gen Z, uh, you know, divide. That isn't. I mean, it's not. It's not media based. It's not. Um, it's not based on like what you consume. It's based on how you live, and I think that's the divide, and that's the divide the book speaks to, and maybe like kind of argues on the side of like, hey, maybe the kids are right. You guys are a little out of touch. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Sorry. Before, <laughs> oh, go ahead, Shane. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't ever get myself involved in those arguments like that, you know, because um, they're kind of pointless. You oh, know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's also like it's it's like one of those you know perpetual motion machines. Like if you, if you start people arguing in that in that realm, they're going to keep going and they're not going to really. No one's ever really going to see each other's side. Um, yeah, I, I I wanted to write a book about that and not about that. If that makes sense. The, if the book were a, a gif or a meme, it would be the the principal Skinner. Like, um, <laughs> no, the children are wrong. Like that's the, you know, that's the, that's the book. I just say, I just saved you guys 250 pages of reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what the thing is, is you nailed teachers in the seventies, man. Cause I had teachers and principals like that. Kids were trash. They were idiots. They didn't know what the fuck. But again, I, I try to bring a certain amount of humanity and understanding to the, to the adult perspective too, because I am an adult and I was a teacher. So it's like, I, I, I get, I like, believe me, I get it. Like I, I understand it's not a, I don't want the book to be didactic in any way. And I also don't want to tip my hand too much as to like who the villain in the book is, because it really can be anyone. Believe me, it's a twist a minute thrill ride. You're going to love it, everyone. Um, but like the, like it's not, it goes beyond like red herrings. It goes beyond wanting to throw people off the track of who the killer is and more the idea of 
this is a dialogue between generations and the killer literally could be on either side um, because it's ideological. It's not really generational. Um, and that's what, you know, the book, the first 200 and something pages of the book are about that. And then we get the reveal and that, then the, the fallout um, and then maybe clown of the cornfield too, clown of the city. Um, but <laughs> a, a working title because it's a bullshit title but um I'm, I'm here for that though seriously i think that would be yeah. i think that'd be uh, fantastic clown in the cul-de-sac you just said that Sorry, on, on public radio so technically me and harper can, can take that and uh <laughs> yes you can <laughs> let's get an acknowledgement i'm sure that was also permission <laughs> oh thank you thank you thank you sir <laughs> so i know you had uh mentioned earlier adam about uh possibly wanting to continue you know kind of in the ya path and i was just curious you know if you have already kind of started thinking about that or if it's just something you want to do because you enjoy doing this one it's a little column a little column b um i've i can't say what it is or you know where it's going or what you know what it will be but i know that i i have my next book and i know it's ya and i it's i looked at i looked at clown in the corner field and uh, clown in the cornfield and how external it is and how like kind of big in the world it is and i was like you know i'm treating this almost like I've written a bunch of books, but I'm trying to treat this like a second book. Like what would the book after clown in the cornfield be? Um, it would try to, in a lot of ways, it would try to be the opposite of it. Um, but still be about, uh, teenagers and still be about the world we live in now. Um, and I'm really, really, really happy with what it is. And I, I, I mean, everyone on this call, everyone listening, please keep your fingers crossed that I get to do what I want to do. Um, cause I think it's going to be great. Um, but I'm very, very happy with it. I'm really like in the thick of it now. Um, so yeah, that's that, if that answers your question in like the most <laughs> pretentious, um, like, I guess, nah. <laughs> way, uh, possible. um, but I, yes, I am writing a YA book now and I think it's great and it's nothing like Clown in the Cornfield. It's the, like, you couldn't get a more different book, but still be similar in that I wrote it and I'm the same person. Yeah. Well, I know you can't really talk too much about it, but is it definitely still kind of in the horror realm or is it something oh, that's like oh, a yeah. bit for you? Okay. Yeah, no, I'm never I'm never like I'm never leaving horror. I like I well, that's that's completely not true. Um I, I wrote <laughs> uh, I wrote a I wrote an arc, I wrote four issues of a um of the Dark Crystal uh comic book, tie in comic book. Um, and I'd done, I'd done a couple backup issues of comics in the past. I'd done uh, an Adventure Time story and a Power Ranger story. Um, and I love, I love writing comics, um, but this was the kind of first time I got to do like a whole arc. Um, and I, I grew up loving uh, Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. And I, I very much, I very much put it, even though it's fantasy, even though it's dark fantasy, it is, you know, that movie. If you look at that original movie, it's scary as hell. Um, so I've done, I've I've done more in the dark crystal realm just because I, I've kind of got a good relationship with um, the folks there um, who are producing that stuff. Um, and I absolutely love it. 
Um, so I'm going to have another another Dark Crystal thing come out. So I will never leave horror for most things, but um, for maybe tie-in fiction and comics and stuff like that, I, I, I love certain kind of um, pop culture properties. I love the Dark Crystal. So I would, I would never, ever count out doing one of those, um, doing anything like that. But for my own stuff, I really can't see a future. I don't, I'm not writing horror all the time. I just... It's the medium I want to work in, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. It does, but I do find that the best way to find yourself doing the thing that you didn't expect to is to announce it on air. Yeah, there we go. So. <laughs> <laughs> my, my John Green teen romance coming next summer. <laughs> it's a girl. She has amnesia. She fell in love with a guy, and then she falls in love with the same guy, but it's a real heartbreaker. Um Cause it's like, it's also like a very, like a, like one of those episodes of like a fresh prince where, um, Carlton like loses his memory and becomes like one of the cool kids. It's like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a love triangle but with only two people because she's like, doesn't want to be untrue to her boyfriend, but she's falling in love with the same guy again. That's amazing. This is a hundred percent bullshit. I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> So you say now. So you say Happy Days episode like that too. Isn't there a Happy Days episode where like the Fonz becomes a genius? He gets hit. Yeah. It's like the the main, you know, third or fourth season uh, sitcom plots. But I want to do a. I want to do the YA romance version of that. Yeah, or like the uh, the Urkel thing. I forget what he. Oh yeah, what did he? Oh, Oh, Stefan. Yeah. Stefan. That's right. Um, Yeah. Persona, right? Like he adopts, mm. doesn't like become that. Like there are episodes that are like bottle episodes where characters like stand alone, become different characters. I think there's like it happens in Cheers too. I think with Diane, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm making this up. This is a weird digression. But <laughs> you know, it's kind of a uh, kind of um, yeah, it is a weird digression, and I'm about to kind of make it weirder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's it's kind of I I was buying right into it when you first started talking because every relationship I've ever been in was a two way threesome because I was oh, in it. <laughs> man you set it up and you delivered <laughs> this has become love talk with Shane Keen. <laughs> <laughs> That was worth it just to hear Adam say, "Oh God!" <laughs> it's my it's my stock response. <laughs> I've, st- I've started cutting him out of my uh, my YouTube videos. I say something like, "Oh God!" And I've heard, I I had a guy like comment, and he'd like he'd like commented like a lot, and he was like, "I just don't like hearing you." I Adam, I like you. I just don't like hearing you take the Lord's name in vain. And I'm like, I've grown up so such a heathen that I didn't even like realize. I was like, oh, I didn't mean. To offend this guy. <laughs> That's, yeah. I'm fortunate nobody has said either. that to me yet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lost cause at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my mother-in-law said it to me, but. I don't know. <laughs> We've I already consider- written off that entire side of the family world. I mean. Doesn't like horror. I know. My my wife so, is, my wife is only is, is horror agnostic, so I, I understand. I'm I'm in a 
uh, our agnostic relationship. So I understand. I am too. Yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's I think it's healthy in a way. And I've I've talked to my I've talked to my close friends about this. I've talked to like the group text about this. How it's like I kind of like that idea of I can so much of my day, so much of my and I'm sure the same is true for you guys. Um, so much of my online life and so much of my social media life and so much of my like um, you know uh, hucksterism like buy my book life is like horror all the time that I really love and appreciate that about um, my spouse that we can sit down and she's like she, her eyes will glaze if I'm like well actually <laughs> Kevin Williams was brought in to do a rewrite on Halloween H2O and it's really like, <laughs> just like stop talking <laughs> Uh, I've okay. seen that. I've seen that glaze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you probably glaze over at some of the. And see, but this oh. is this is this is marriage, so it's like you you respectfully glaze. Exactly. You know? That's the that's the spice of life. Yeah. Kind of. Also, it's yeah. like it's what builds attraction and, and and kind of love is the idea that we're not the same person. We're very much different, and um, and we can approach the world in a different way, and she can inform the way I see the world, and maybe. Um, my soliloquies about um, extra can <laughs> change the way she looks at the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't ever hold anything against my wife because, I mean, she married me and she deals with me. And if, if I married someone just like me, I'd kill that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's still time in quarantine. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shane, you are like the you're the you're like the such a such a lovable guy. <laughs> With such as this hangdog attitude. This is the <laughs> We gotta let's get to the root of this guys. Let's figure no, this. Yeah, let's we wait till you get to know me and see if you still say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know every, everything about a person I need to know in the DMs. Uh. <laughs> I like I like that philosophy. <laughs> no, I have to go back and look at what the hell did I say? <laughs> I I didn't listen to Laird Barron's full interview because you guys started getting to like kind of like not spoilers but close to spoilers on uh, uh on Worst Angel. Um, but you're like I can't imagine that the that the conversation got as chummy uh and as and as laugh filled as this. I feel like it would ruin my my view of Lair Baron. As a- um, uh, okay, well I'll keep. I'll just shut my mouth then. Don't spoil it. I guess I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna listen to. Uh, I, I get the audio book for Worst Angels. I'm gonna listen to that and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna listen to your guys' full interview. Um, oh man, he's, you, one of my, he's one of my favorite writers. Um, you've got gold in your hands there too. Between him and Laurel, you've got I'm some excited. damn good well, stuff. I, I I I read I read multiple books at the same time in different formats. So I switch the next audio book. It's going to be his, and then the next ebook will be um, Laurel's. Um, I'm really excited. When does that come out, Laurel? Oh, uh, Crossroads? Um, that is supposed to come out August the 10th. That comes out August the 10th. That's the new one. Is that a full novel or is it a novella? That is a novella. Oh, I love novellas. Um, but I got the I got the Journal Stone one. When, when, when did that come out? That came out uh, December 2018. Okay, okay. So a little while now. I'm excited to read it. I, I'm sorry I haven't picked it up. Um, reviews with me. Hmm. Um, well, thank you. No, I'm, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to know what you think. But if you hate it, we can still be friends. It's oh, that's cool. good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what psycho is? Your, all your 
kind words about a clown. No, no, no. What's psycho about that book Laurel wrote is that, like, she wrote her first novel, gave it to her agent, he sold it, and she'd never written a short story or anything before, except for a failed novel, I believe. That's the way to yeah. do it. I mean, I don't know. I, like, there's, there's, there's the idea of like, there's, there's multiple schools of thought in that. The idea of like, oh, you got to practice, 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 and it's like, well, if you're practicing writing short stories, they are way freaking different than writing novels. Like, yes, they are. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. structurally prose wise they're very different yeah yeah i i mean i think they're i think they're harder i guess in some ways they can be less time consuming um but it just seems i don't know the 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 thought pattern to them the the way to put them together is so different i think yeah i've i don't know I, um i i love short work and i love writing shorts and i love being in I love being invited to paid anthologies. Um, yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, right? But I also love, like, I love the idea that, like, um, it's 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 weird because it's counterproductive. Because I, I I've most of the shorts I'm most proud of are almost like the like the antithesis of my books in a lot of ways. Like they are like, in some ways they're like jokes, and in some ways they're like really downbeat and sad. So like, I know, I understand that a like short story as like marketing tool, I'm doing it completely wrong. Um, but I really enjoy, I'm not, I'm not married to a short story for 90,000 words. Like I can do something that's a little bit different than what I would normally do. Um, in a novel, cause I consider myself, I don't consider myself a short story writer. I don't consider myself, you know, a writer who wears multiple hats. Like I consider myself a novelist. Um, and short stories are, are such a nice training exercise in a way and a, and a, and a, and a little vacation to write something different. And usually that amounts to like, I like scan the Amazon and Goodreads reviews of, um, of like the anthologies I'm in and people are like, I liked all these stories. What the fuck is Adam Caesar's talking about here? <laughs> Yeah, but I like I don't know. Like I amuse myself, so sorry. <laughs> I, I, no, I get that. I I do. I, I think you're right. It is it is like a little vacation, especially like I don't know. Either if you're between work or you're kind of you know kind of frustrated with a with a spot on a novel that you're working on. It's you still get to be creative. You get you know you get to take a step away from it, and then it's also like it's done. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And. I like it. And then I, I I'd heard, um, this is years ago now when I was living in Boston, but I heard Joe Hill talk once and he did like a, he like a Q and a, and he talked about short stories. The idea, he loves short stories because you can never, you're never, ever going to write a novel. And he, he might've even been paraphrasing someone else, but the idea that you could, you're never, ever going to write a novel that's perfect. But the, with short stories, with the, like the limited canvas, it's theoretically possible to write one that's like perfect. Um, and, I don't really subscribe to that. I think that's a little like that's like if I thought about that, I'd have like a panic attack when I was trying to write a short story. <laughs> um, and I definitely don't think I'm like definitely not going to be the dude that cracks it, that, like writes, you know, hills like white elephants. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that guy. Um, but the idea that is almost comforting to me, like there is a there is a right answer. There is a solve to a, a you know, 2050, you know, 500 word short story. Um I like that. There's like, a, this is the premise and I could probably do this as perfectly as I can in this limited space. 
Um, yeah, it's just fun. It's just, it's like a, like I said, an exercise. It's the first days of the week I can draft a short story. The last two days of the week I can redraft and finish, and it can all be done in a week. There's no, there's no novel in the world that I could finish in a week unless um, I were, you know, some of our friends that actually do write uh, stuff in a week, and that's amazing to me. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, I'm so jealous of, of, of prolific writers. I'm very jealous of Stephen Graham Jones. If I can, oh man! If I could, if I could <laughs> steal anyone's power. If you ever want to work with someone who's really, really fast, right with Josh Mailerman, man, he'll kick your ass. Oh, uh, Willie? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I heard that about him. I knew. I've, 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 uh, I've, I've only really, I know his work, and I really like his work, but I've, I've. I've had such limited like personal interactions with Mallerman and, and I, I, I think he's great. I think he's like, I'm like, wow, this guy's a sweetheart. Um, but, um, I don't know, really know much about his process, but I'd heard that, um, that he, before he sold bird box, he had like a lot of novels. Like he'd written a lot of novels and he'd written them quickly. And he, he's like this kind of Renaissance man. That's yeah. like, you know, he was in a band and all this stuff. Like, I'm like, this guy's, I don't know. You look at him, you're like, this dude's cool as hell. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, it's like, I think it was when Rich and I first talked to him, he had Bird Box, Unbury Carroll, you know, the ones he's got to date, but then he had, he said a total of like 30 novels in the can. Wow. Wow. Oh, Oh, what a good gift. Yeah. And when we did Carpenter's Farm, he, he finished that sucker in two months on the fly. I wondered about that because I was watching that kind of armchair watching hit, like as the chapters were getting published and I was like, well, if I were going to do this because I'm an absolute con artist, I would have written the whole thing beforehand. And, 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 and been like, here's another chapter just off the top of my dome. Here it is. Like, um, 110% how I would have done that. And I think that's the, the honesty is probably the main differentiating factor between me. <laughs> well, actually, I, I like, think that's what JK Rowling's doing, isn't it? Like, she's doing that serial yeah. novel and and like when i looked i was like oh oh you already wrote it oh angie revised oh. it rookie yeah she rookie. didn't like wasn't the story about i i barely i'm not a i i taught like i said i taught high school for a number of years and every time i would the kids in the class would find out that i hadn't read harry potter it was like an insurrection it was like you <laughs> <laughs> um, can't listen to this like, man oh, listening God. This, God, this goddamn guy says <laughs> yeah my daughter uh, String you up, man. <laughs> but uh, but I, I she had like the story behind that was like it was like an like, it was like a, a bedtime story for kids and stuff, right? Like so that's like I that's I'll I'll allow it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'll I said, if I had written Carpenter's Farm, I would have been like, yeah, here's Carpenter's Farm. It's been in my drawer for three years. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Uh, he's the, the guy's a machine, and and yeah, and Doctor Jones, like 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 I started out saying, he's like, um, I went to a convention, a Bizarro Con in Portland, um, and he, uh, um, like everyone's hanging out, and Stephen Graham Jones walks by, and he's like, there's like a soaking pool in the, um, at the, the at McMinimins where they have uh, Bizarro Con. It's like this kind of like multi hotel compound, um. And he comes in, he's like in a towel and he like just got out of the pool and he's like, I got to go upstairs. I got to write a short story for Ellen Datlow. And then like, you turn, <laughs> I like, like hadn't finished my beer and I turn around and he's like back and he's like, yep, I finished the story for Ellen Datlow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that does not surprise me. 
<laughs> Are you what's uncanny about that ability with guys like that is they're also at the top of their game. You know. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like it's like a mind like that, I have no idea how it works. I have no, no. I have no godly idea how that's like how that's possible. Like cause I look at how I, I look at my process and how I write and how persnickety and how much of a pain in my own ass I am and how writing and redrafting and self-doubt and like I, I the like really if i could have a superpower i would have you know something like hammer joyce carol oates like look at like look at joyce carol oates's body work and how expansive it is and how different it is in genre like oh yeah just look at that or king or someone like like, like wow that's the, if i could have a superpower i would i would want that uh, yeah you and me both yeah. and the money yeah, that's Carol Oates, Princeton cash. That's the <laughs> baller of Joyce Carol Oates. I did meet her once, and she flipped me off. She got in a Rolls Royce, and she was like, get out of here, Adam. That's, it. <laughs> that's not true. I met Joyce Carol Oates once. I was very nervous, and she signed the book for me. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I was like, I'm a teacher. And she's like, that's nice. And then we moved on. I, I like, thought I checked off a bucket list item. I thought I, I'm talking to a dude who got flipped off by Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking of, I, I don't know. I, every time I go to like, but there's, there's something in, in my town called Scarefest. Um, and it's, it's just like a, you know, a kind of a horror con that happens like in September. And, and it's like the purpose, the reason these folks are here is to meet fans and like sign autographs and stuff. And I'm always, I always chicken out. Like, I mean, they have a booth for God's sake. And I can't even go up to the damn booth. Like, I don't I, even understand that. Laurel, I am the same way, but with a little bit more, it's my obsessiveness that will, that will push me over the edge. Cause I, I do, I'm a, like an autograph collector and I, I've gotten very sparing and, over the last few years, especially going to hard cons, but I, I still will, um, like John Carpenter came to one in, in Philly and I was like, I don't care. I'm waiting in line. I don't care how much it costs. Like I'm going to get John Carpenter's autograph and, um, you know, like Linda Blair and uh, like, like I still like, I, I understand that it's a transactional relationship and that like these folks are here to make money and, um, and I do not begrudge them that at all. Like you'll get some horror fans that are like, why can't they sign for free? And it's like, well, they, they, took a goddamn greyhound bus out here to like yeah (laughs) like to you know to to show up at this convention like i understand why um but some of those some i love some i cherish some of those interactions that i've had with people that are you know i'm a big fan of um and and you can you can very easily tell within the first couple minutes who's sincere and who's not um it's a little bit of a bummer when someone's not but it's more times out of 10 it's um people are really genuine and really um, appreciative of talking to people. So, uh, where are you? Is that is that is, is Scarefest in Kentucky? Where is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in it's in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Um. So yeah, I don't know if it's going to go forward this year, but wow. I I, yeah. I used to go every year. Um. And then I had a kid. And do you t- do you table there? Or do you do you sell your books? Oh no 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 no. I I just uh, I just go for you know for fun. I've got um. My closest friends here, uh, my girlfriends are big horror fans, and that's just kind of one of the things we used to do. Um, I just remember, like, I, I went one year specifically because Douglas Preston was there, and Pinhead is just hands down my my favorite horror icon. 
And I was just like dying to meet him. And there he is. And like, there wasn't even a line. And I like was walking up to it. And then I just like walked away. Like, I, it's like the weirdest thing. I can't. Tony Robbins was there one year. I mean, what is wrong with me? Not Tony I, Robbins. I, 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 know, I, I, I know what you're, uh, Tony Todd? Or, uh, Thank you. Yes. Good God. Tony Todd. Believe me, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a regular on the hard convention circuit. I've watched all these men eat pizzas um, in, in a, in a, <laughs> a house. I, uh, I, I, I know exactly uh, who you mean. Um, so like, yeah, like I, like I said, I've seen Doug Bradley like – you know, arguing about his, uh, you know, his Marriott points. So, like, I, like, the... Um, <laughs> the Shit, and I called him gone, Douglas Preston, who's... He's <laughs> gone to certain extent. Um, but I understand, like, I love, I love the calm scene. I love the... I wasn't trying to correct you there. Uh, no, but I appreciate that you knew. <laughs> but that the, was, it was, like, very smoothly I, uh, done. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I love... It's so funny because I, I, it's I'm trying to I'm trying to keep this evergreen content for you guys, so we're not going to talk about you know the calamity in the world. But um, yeah, uh, because of because of clown, I was planning on going to basically every convention I could go to this year, and I was I had I was looking into Scarefest, and I was like, oh, this one looks really good because they had they had an amazing lineup this year, and it's such a bummer. Um, I was gonna uh, me and my buddies, I was trying to convince Scott Cole and Matt Serafini and. Uh, uh, Pat Lacey, like I was trying to convince them to come with me to Kentucky and uh, and table at um, Scarefest, but doesn't look like it's happening this year. But maybe next year. Um, I can't tell. I I have not, and I'm I'm I, one of one of my friends here. Um, uh, he is a moderator. Um, for for most of the cons in the area, and so he does Scarefest and he does like the Lexington Comic Con and everything. Um, so he's, I mean, he meets like everybody and he does all this stuff. So I, I don't know. I've been kind of keeping track of it, but it kind of looks like it's still on for now. Is it October? When is it? Yeah. October 23rd through the 23rd. I remember that. Yeah. I remember I like blocked off that week. Cause I was like, this is what I'm definitely traveling, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they, they're know. making like, calls on a lot of this stuff, especially cause I'm sure they're like arguing with the hotels about whether they can get their deposits back and stuff like that. Yes. Um, I know, I know scares that care. I was, I was going to be a guest at scares that care, which is it, uh, when it goes in 2021, you guys should all come. Um, it's the, it's the best convention. Um, Oh yeah. No, I'm, uh, see, I'm that's in, that's in Williamsburg, yeah. Virginia. Um, and it's, yeah. and it's for a good cause too. It's a great con. Um, but, um, they, they kind of made the late game decision to cancel, which is, is such a bummer. Um, but you know, that's, you can't, can't argue with reality you can't argue with like what's safest for people um so i completely understand and 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 want everyone to stay safe like i wouldn't i would feel weird pressure to go if it was like they were like we're going it's like all right well (laughs) this is like don't want to get anyone sick so um yeah i hope i hope by 2021 all these things are back on and we're um kicking ass and all watching doug bradley um Eat, eat eggs at the ones I admire are the ones who are sitting in the bar slamming back shots oh yeah oh that's the yeah. best those are the best celebrity interactions I've ever had I was like exactly I was I was I was I was at a I was at a convention in, in Worcester Massachusetts alone I was I was this was right post-college I couldn't get anyone to go with me but I was like I'm gonna go to a rock and shock convention and I stayed overnight but i sort of stayed at the hotel and the hotel had a pizzeria unos in it and jake Busey's just at the bar and like 
he's talking to like some fans, but then he just starts yelling out lines from the Frighteners. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. He's just, he's just loving it. He's just loving the attention. He's just like, uh, quoting a Peter Jackson film from 13, 15 years ago. Um, and then the next day, I was like he sold me. Cause the next day I was like, I'll get a, I'll get a DVD signed by Jake Busey. <laughs> um, so in some ways it's marketing. I feel like when they're, when they're letting it loose at the bar. Yeah. Cause you know, which celebrities you well, and you know what? If you do end up coming to Scarefest this year or next year, whatever, yeah, send me an email or whatever. I'll I'll come buy you some cheddar tots. That's my standing offer Ooh, to people cheddar who come tots. to Lexington. I I'm gonna yeah. Well, I will. I'm gonna go no matter what. If whether it's this year or next year, whenever it runs, I will I will be at Scarefest. Um, just because it it really they had a hell. Of, oh, I remember. I remember now. Uh, they had uh, the three um campers from the Blair Witch were gonna be the the guests oh. of honor. Oh. I don't, maybe I'm, I, I think I'm right. I don't think I'm confusing it with another convention, but that was the main, uh, I was like, that's the draw. I want to, cause they were doing like a photo op. I was like, I will 110% um, get my picture with the Heather and, and, and Josh from the oh, blur. Oh yeah. Uh, that would be good. I went and saw uh, one of the years I went, it was because Chip Coffee was talking. Um, are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, he was, he's a psychic and he was on paranormal state and he's done a couple of other things. And I, I don't know what my actual opinion of psychics is. Uh, most of it's probably not great, but he's interesting. I, I liked watching, I liked watching him. I, I, and he comes off as very genuine. He's just an interesting guy. So he was, he was fun to, to listen to. I love the overlap with a lot of these cons too. Cause you'll get like people who are in the, you know, paranormal community and things like that. It's just, it's just a. Uh, there's no there's no replicating it and i'm so i mean i haven't seen them i haven't been to a movie theater in three months like i i'm so <laughs> stir crazy and so like like and i was i was such a tactile people person before like god i can't i i i, I want to go to a con I, <laughs> <laughs> it's driving me nuts <laughs> well maybe maybe this will be the one that's maybe. that stays yeah. hey we'll see we'll see yeah, yeah. yeah. it could happen find a germ-free way to get to kentucky and then i'll be there yeah So, uh, Adam, one thing I just wanted to ask you about real quick, because um, you had kind of mentioned that you are friends with like Patrick Lacey and Matt Serafini and stuff like that. Is yeah, that my, the black T-shirt boys? Yeah. And, <laughs> and Aaron Dries, who's the uh, the unofficial, um, the Australian wing of the Project Black T-shirt um, <laughs> and Black T-shirt books. Uh, thing. He's that's exactly where I was going with that. Like, <laughs> I know that you uh, you specifically say, like, it's not a publishing company, but you've released books by, you know, all of these authors who are also your friends. And I was kind of curious, you know, what kind of made you decide to, even though it's not a publishing company, kind of get into the publishing side of things? I love, I love, love, love that you that you put it that way and that you stress it that way, because I, I it's. I put it on my website, especially because I don't want people seeing like the insignia, of the black t-shirt books thing and thinks that I'm like open for submissions. And then I yeah. have to tell someone like, I do not want to read your 170,000 word historical. Um, <laughs> like, I, like I, I, I'm not like, I'm not a publisher. Um, it came from, this is a really good question. Um, it's a good process question. Uh, it came from the idea that when, um, when Sam Hain kind of went away, I had those three novels. I had Video Night, The Summer Job, Exponential, all available on ebook, paperback, 
an audiobook for all these listeners who are have their finger poised over the Amazon button. I know it. Um, but when I got those the rights to those books back, um, I kind of was like, I do not want to run down another publisher. I did not want to try to, you know, sign another contract. I'm not sure about, you know, get, get in bed with people. I don't know. I looked into it and I, and I did a hell of a lot of research and I had friends luckily who know what the hell they're doing. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to self publish these. Um, and I'm going to do it in such a way that it's going to, mimic like i'm gonna i want to have branding i want to have i want to have all the things you would have with a publisher i want it to look like a legit you know product um so i will pay my friend chris Enterline uh to drop an insignia and i will i was already using um i i call my youtube channel project black t-shirt um even though it's youtube.com slash adam caesar um it's my just my name but it's the idea that uh, horror fans and i'm sure you guys have plenty um uh, have a lot of black t-shirts yeah um and the the like the like i kind of call the black t-shirt crowd is kind of slang for horror crowd um i was like well that'll be my that'll be my brand that'll be the books and i and i and i you know i figured out in 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 you know i know in a way that i was comfortable with how to self-publish and how to put these books out there um, and I, and I, when I bought the three books, I bought a bunch of ISBNs, I don't, you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with how that works and listing books. And, um, yeah. like, so I, like, so I had like 10 or 12 ISBNs and, um, I, you know, I was in, I'm in a group chat with my, with my friends. It's not nepotism. It's not like, oh, I'm choosing to publish my friends. They're just my friends. So it's like, it's like, I, I can't, I can't help it. Um, and, and, and I basically kind of told my buddies, like, Look, I not that I like I have a you know a get rich quick formula here, but I have a way to self publish things that we will do it to a certain criterion. And I and um, if you guys want to self publish with me, you can use the black t shirt books brand and you can put your books out. Um, Pat Lacey put out a debt to be paid, um, Matt Serafini put out. Um, Feral, his werewolf book, and Devil's Row, his 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 prequel to Feral, um, and Scott Cole put out Slices, and um, Aaron Dries put out The Fallen Boys. So like we basically it's like self-publishing plus, where I'd had I'd kind of drawn up an internal document, and Scott's a Scott's a master at layout and covers and all this design stuff, internal design stuff. Um, so he knew how to put the books together and I pay uh, everyone, everyone pays for everything and does what this is self-publishing. I'm not taking a, a, a red cent from any of my buddies. They're publishing just all they're getting from me is the ISBN that, that says that the notes that they're black t-shirt books. Um, and, um, and it was like, okay, well, like let's promote these books like we would a publishing company, even though it's like you said, it's not. Um, and, and, and try to make these the highest quality product we can and make them look, they line up nice on a shelf. They're all the same, um, they're all the same spot, uh, spine length and, and width. And, um, and if you, if you kind of get all the books, they look like a great, like, oh, wow, look at, look at this boutique publishing company, but it's all, 
it's all um, it's all for show. It's all just we're putting these books out ourselves. And we um, Scott Cole, if, if you haven't read Scott Cole, he's he's published two books with Grindhouse now. Yeah, Triple X, Triple X and the new one, Crazy Times. Um, yeah, if you if you haven't read these guys, they're um, I really I've and I got they, they were they were they were the they were the groomsmen at my wedding. Um, like like these guys are. Uh, I, what weird luck because um, they're so unique and so good at what they do. Yeah, they uh, are such talented writers. I really like I I, 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 I I put this to them like a year or two ago. I'm like, what do you think? Like, this is so weird that like, that you, you know, you guys are great writers and we're all buddies. Like, what are the what are the odds? Like, you'd think one of us and it's not Pat. Uh, you'd think one of us would be, <laughs> would be terrible. Uh, like, I'm, I'm kidding. I, lo- I absolutely love Pat. He might be the most talented among us. Um, but um, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's it's like you figure one of us just because we 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 became friends on a social level kind of think one would be the stinker, but, um, everyone's great. And Aaron is, uh, he doesn't come out to his, as many events because he lives in Australia and it's very expensive to get over here, but he does come out to some events. Um, but yeah, we're a really kind of tight knit, um, group of buddies. And, uh, yeah, so that's, 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 that's the, 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 the myth of black t-shirt books. That's how we, how we built it. The black t-shirt brat pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, we, and and that's the thing. We go to we go to shows, we go to cons, and it's like, geez, are we a click? I don't want to be a click. And we try to just be very friendly to everyone because we don't want to be a click, even though we're a click because we're all like we're like we're not a click. And then we're like, okay, we're in one hotel room and there's four of us and <laughs> Pat's tiny, so he's crawled up on a couch and yeah. <laughs> Uh, pretty sure these guys are unsimilar clones. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's possible. Born at different times, different amounts of hair. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the different amounts of hair department. <laughs> um, speaking of which, man, you got a gorgeous head of hair on you. <laughs> Thank you. Just oh, gotta say oh. that. <laughs> It took an hour and 40 minutes to mention my hair. I, I, I I'm, You know what? Props to you, Shane. That's very, very understanding of you. Um, it was, uh, and it's, that was when I was talking about you sounding like you sound like, because you're actually pretty fucking gorgeous, and you sound like ooh, it, too. Ooh, ooh. So. Ooh, I love it. Oh, I don't sound like it. I got a tinny voice. I got, a t- <laughs> I got them James Dean bedroom eyes, though, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh please uh, if I'll you've made it an hour and four minutes in this please buy a book please yeah. um, they're yes, good do buy i'm a not book. as dumb and goofy as i am please they're good <laughs> <laughs> they are really super good um they they are excellent um actually this was my first introduction to your writing um so this was exciting to go into like this and it's um i mean i'm a fan so uh clown in a cornfield is absolutely awesome um i don't care i don't care if you've never read ya i don't care if you are really just weirded out about clowns get on board Um, yeah again it's a dude in a clown mask it's not even a clown don't even don't worry about it not even a clown there's no there's not a no 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 pennywise bullshit there's none of that there's no 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 clown (laughs) business it's 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 straight murder business so don't worry about the clown (laughs) yeah Uh, and i I like the way you said like don't worry if you're not into ya it's i don't even i know it's harper teen i know it's being marketed as ya but i really am like 
this is age agnostic. I want, I hope everyone can enjoy this book. Um, yeah. Um, and I think everyone who uh, is willing to take a chance, even on YA, but, you know, let me add to that pile there. Um, I'm a YA skeptic, and that book sold me, and there's very few YAs that I've read that did. So, you know, if you're a YA skeptic, that doesn't matter. This isn't, this is not YA. <laughs> I you love know, it. Not, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, and dive into it, man. Yeah, like, check out uh, Asylum or check out The Merciless. You'll 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 love it. You, if you if you like my book, those are probably better. So you'll like it. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, or maybe you know, as good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I gotta see that. I'm. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I have to say it too. I go right out and say I suck. So oh. you're better at it than me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you for that i appreciate that i suck at taking compliments too um and uh god i see i was talking about your damn book oh hit 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 us with the release date again uh it's it's august 25th but again if you buy it right now if you pre-order it you will you will brighten up your august your late august will become uh, wow, you'll get a little present from yourself. No matter if it's if it's as far away from your birthday as you can get, just go go pre-order it. You can do it uh, um, on Amazon. You can do it on Bookshop, the Bookshop.org, the uh, the the kind of indie-friendly version of Amazon. You can do it on IndieBound. You can do it on Barnes and Noble. You can call up your local Barnes and Noble, and they'll be like, "Why are you calling here?" And you're like, "I want Clown and Cornfield by Adam Caesar." Yeah. Like, uh, you're not going to stop that filth. Then you, you got to really, yep. really Absolutely. talk to <laughs> you And the same thing with, like, like Powell's City of Books. You can, you can call them or go online and order it, and you will get it from them. Yes, you, yeah. A lot of indies are doing that. A lot of indies are doing yeah. um, phone orders and stuff like that. Do it if you can. Um, there's a there's a great bookstore here, Headhouse uh, Books, right in Chile, that does it. Um, yeah, yeah. Please support these these businesses if you can. And if you can't support a specific one bookshop's a good way to do it because they think they, they seem like a good company and they're giving up a bunch of their uh the money they, they could be taking as profit they're they're giving to bookstores so. yeah i started using that almost exclusively for my links i used that in yeah. Amazon, where i used to use amazon links yeah i still yeah i still i i understand i understand i can kind of see both sides of it where i do understand that kind of like we have been kind of trained to use amazon in some yeah. ways it is so um um so convenient and so dependable and your kind of credit cards are already in there because you're they already jeff bezos already owns your life um but um <laughs> like i i do like i don't begrudge anyone that decides to go with amazon like i i still sometimes shop at amazon i try to spread it around and try to shop everywhere but i have a kindle so i you know from ebooks i shop yeah. on amazon like i don't i don't i don't begrudge anyone um like choosing that option because i understand it and i understand that it's like kind of the the way to go and the easy one and the dependable one um but i i do i do encourage folks um if they're gonna uh shop for my book shop small shop local um yeah, yeah i agree i agree um anything else anyone have anything else for adam no, just that uh, we really enjoyed having you on, Adam, and uh, Clown in a Cornfield, like all of my co-hosts have said. Um, loved that book. It's probably one of my favorites. I had a blast with it. Um, yeah. I remember, the, yeah, the whole second half, like I, I would keep messaging them guys in our 
discord chat that we have about like how crazy it just kept getting and music to my ears oh it's so good thank you i i appreciate you thank you yeah like i said it's been a long road to like getting it to readers so i'm so so thankful that you guys liked it um and um yeah um yeah, it's been a great chat. Thanks for having me. It has been. It's excellent. Um, uh, there you go, everyone. This Adam Cesar. Thank you for being here. And uh, go go uh, order that book right now as soon as you hear this. So, <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, have a good night, Adam. Thanks, Thank Adam. You. Thank you so have much. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing? <laughs>